Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scuzz-Gauspo. So, going into this season, uh, this basketball season, I, I think all of us, all three of us, were a, a fairly good consensus that this was going to be a, a rough year. We, um, we may have referred to it as one of the most cynical seasons of Northwestern yeah. basketball <laughs> ever conceived. Yeah. Who I can mean, remember? Who can remember, Scott? Ryan Young, Pete Nance, you know, heading out. We even appeared on uh, North Carolina podcast hosted by a, a British bloke uh, to talk about Pete Nance and tell them what they should expect. Um, oh my god, I forgot about that. That was so long oh yeah. ago. That that was a long yeah. that was a while ago. The the, the, <laughs> the the entire complexion of college basketball from from our lens has changed 180 degrees from that conversation. And I mean, I go go I was going on that show and then literally trying to live vicariously through that guy and being like, "Well, you guys are getting Pete Nance and best of luck and get him into the dance and that'll be what we have to take away this coming season." And, yeah. Yeah. Um, story's changed a little bit, huh? God I mean, damn. Un- second un- in the conference, boys. Second in second the conference. Second in the Big Ten. It's unbelievable. I mean, this is – I mean, obviously, for a team that has made the tournament once ever, and it's about to be twice ever, it's not too hard to start pulling out the greatest season ever arguments. But – I mean, second in the Big Ten is unbelievable. What an accomplishment for this team. And just, I mean, again, it's, you have everything that's going on. We talked about the unbelievable parody that exists in this conference and has existed the entire year. Just about anyone can beat anyone on any given night. The results absolutely back that up. You have Purdue winning the conference. Last night, we were in... You know, a rock fight, at least for the first half, right? Um, And with Rutgers, and that's a game between two teams who beat Purdue. And it's that kind of year in the conference and where I think you're going to see when the tourney bids come in, just how much the committee and the nation think of this conference this year in terms of the overall strength, top to bottom of the conference. And we're second. I mean... it, it, it's it's it blows the mind it, it, and it, what an incredible run it's unfathom like like take away all of the expectations coming into this year and how poorly northwestern was forecast even in a year when northwestern is like okay we've got some pieces like hey if they get to 20 wins like maybe they become a bubble team even in that context this finish in the conference is absurd and just to, to juxtapose it, so in in 2016-17, the aforementioned NCAA tournament team, the team that finally broke that ceiling, Northwestern finished sixth in the Big Ten. Had they won 12 games like they have this year, they would have finished tied for second. Second, third, or fourth, just depending on how the tiebreakers break. But I just like... Even even in our wildest hopes and dreams, the idea of a Northwestern team in an average year finishing second in the conference was not part of the lexicon. So even if you were a super bullish and there were like there are hardly any, 
But even if you were the most bullish Northwestern fan coming into this season saying, no, they're going to be good. They're going to make the dance. Second in the conference behind Purdue was not on your bingo card. Nope. No, no way. not at all. And I mean, one of the other things you have to factor in too, and I'm trying to think, I mean, again, we're only going back six years, but you can certainly, when you compare it to the Carmody teams and the greater teams, one thing that's happened, I believe, what, twice over the years is the amount of conference games has ticked up. And that's another thing you have to factor in here is, yes, on one hand, a team that wins 12 games, conference games, or that won 11 conference games when they were less than 20. Well, that's one way to look at it. Another way is 20 Big Ten games is a soul-sucking siege (laughs) on any basketball team. And it's like, I mean, at this point, right, it's like at the beginning of the season, I mean, I, I begrudge no team, whether it be Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State, or anyone else for loading up on any amount of creepy frosting in the non-con because you have 20 Big Ten games coming down the pike. And it's like the amount of slog, and we talked about it in the last pod too, that, you know, Northwestern has three really tough losses in, you know, to go along with these 12 wins. Everyone else in the conference, though, can say the exact same thing. And you have all these teams, I mean, from top to bottom, second place is 12 and 8. And then Nebraska's 12th, and they're 9 and 11. And so is Wisconsin. And it's like all of these teams just beat the crap out of each other this year. And to be the team, again, just below Purdue, but having a win over Purdue, that somehow climbed out of that slog all the way up to second. And I mean, it's almost even a little bit sweeter that we're tied with Indiana in conference record because we beat them twice. Yep. And they're <laughs> sweet, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's so awesome. It'd be so, like, yeah. So just, and, to, and just still to, they're ranked and we're not, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. well, that, that's, I, I'm not going to worry. I don't care. I'm no, I'm just that, not going to worry about that. I, but j- just to go back and kind of like, emphasize the point I was making earlier but like not with wins and losses because to your point John yes it, like that year the 2016-17 year was Northwestern was 10 and 8 so a 556 winning percentage like add two Big Ten games you expect that they split them 12 and 8 is still better than what you would have expected that 16-17 team to do um, with two additional games now at, you know the winning percentage that Northwestern has it probably puts them like fourth or fifth in the conference that season. Um, but I, but at the same time, the bottom half of the conference that year were all below 500, well below 500. So this idea of like the 12th team in the conference being Nebraska at like nine and 11, I mean, you know, y- y- you only have to get down to six, seven, eight, nine uh, to nine before you've got, you know, Illinois at eight and 10 and then Ohio state seven and 11 et cetera, et cetera, in that year. So the bottom of the conference in that 16, 17 year was much worse than it was this season. So I just like, again, however, however you look at it, this is an epic, incredible, amazing achievement from Northwestern and beyond even the most optimistic optimists expectations or hopes and dreams. And, and it's so wild to think like if we lose that game to Rutgers last night, we're finishing ninth in the conference. I mean, that that's how, like you talk about parody, like everyone, like everyone is right there. And just the way the, the weekend kind of sorted itself out, we went in, we were either going to be second or ninth. And either way, like we're in the tournament, like no, no doubt, no doubt about it. 
how much does the narrative change if we lose that game and we're finishing ninth? I mean, there, there's talk that Chris Collins is, is looking at an extension. I mean, Dr. Greg said he was probably, you know, they're going to start talking extension, which, you know, after this season, yeah, I, I buy that. You know, we thought he was on thin ice going in and to turn around the season and easily be the Big Ten coach of the year and possibly be in the conversation for national coach of the year. I mean, you'd have to be ridiculous not to have him in that, that conversation. But like, yeah, okay, an extension, sure, I get that. But how much of this feeling changes if we lose this game, you know, finish 20 and 11, uh, 11 and 9 in the conference and ninth overall? I mean, sure. I mean, you're, A little. you're right. I mean, because again, I mean, one of the other pieces of this too is – our reward for this two seed is the double buy. Fantastic. And then we're playing either Illinois or Penn State, which is just <laughs> revisiting just a recent not house of horrors, but that's one of the one of the two most recent of these gut punch losses, right? Well, I mean, of course, Northwestern avenged one of those last night. The flip side though of that is this is again a razor thin conference where the toughest of the tough teams gritted it out through the tightest of margins. And yeah, you could say. And, and what's and what's been the bugaboo for Northwestern the last two years? Right. I mean, not gr- not grinding these games out. Right. And close losses. Right. And yeah, Northwestern has won a bunch of those games this year and done just enough. And I mean, you can look at that second Indiana win and be like, oh, they gave all that up. Yeah, but. At the end of the day, you have to do enough to win. And, I mean, the flip side, I mean, and again, you're right, Sam, but the flip side is, right, I mean, these razor-thin margins, Northwestern could have easily beaten Illinois for the sweep at Illinois, or they could have pulled out that Penn State game. And some of these go one way and some of these go the other way. But, I mean, I, in in the case of this Rutgers game in particular, and, and Yes, you're right, because you could tack that on and then be like Northwestern theoretically could lose five straight heading into the tournament. And right, that's a certain but, look. But 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 before you hit Rutgers, even if we are ninth in the conference standings going into Big Ten tournament, you still have the first victory over a number one overall rated team ever in yep. Northwestern's yep. history. You still have only the second NCAA tournament appearance ever and a tournament appearance that would not be like a questionable bubble appearance. Now, may- maybe you lose a sixth straight in the tournament and, and like that, like maybe that's a slightly different conversation. But um, I just like no, no bad losses. Even if you lose to Rutgers and lose out of the tournament in the first round, no bad losses for this team for the first time in forever. But I like I know I know you want to get into. Right. Well, and that's that amazing game from last well, so night. The game and then the game as a proxy, because I think. The, the other thing that, and we've talked about it all year, that makes this season so special is it's not just the wins. It's the soul of the team. And yeah. I think the easiest comparison is the 2020 um, Big Ten West championship team with the, the common thread being defense, right? Where it's like, yes, we have this great overall team and we're winning games and we're going to places this program has never been and we're riding that roller coaster. But we also take the court every single night feeling like we're the best defensive basketball team in the country. And that is such a special thing. And the fact that the character of this game at the end of the day was the exact character that has carried this team all throughout the season. Yeah, 
We shot like crap for a vast majority of this game. Look, there's no bones about it. And like you can look at like the field goal, the overall field goal percentage and the three point percentage and be like, those were both basically pulled out of the fire by Boo in the final couple minutes um, or the, the final key minutes, right? When he was going off and staring at the announcers and just going just full hero mode, right? Um, but the character of this team is defense. And the defense in this game was unbelievable. And it's one of the- Holding Rutgers to 36% from the floor. Oh. 11% from three. Right. I mean, 52% from the free throw line. I mean, I, obviously you're not defending that, but like. I was going to say, that's not defense. Well, that's can, not defense, but so, it's psychological. Well, and the, the, you know, it gets even wilder because they shot 36.4%, but their their center, what is Amuroye, um, I think all 14 of his points were off of dunks, I want to say. So it's like all the times Rutgers shot the ball. They were like 13 for 48. It's just contested shots and double teams. And one of the things that was really striking me that I've thought about, you know, I I guess I hadn't really thought about it, is Northwestern, you know, ever since Roper went down, and Roper's a great defender. And ever since Roper went down, it's been an eight-man rotation the entire way. And all eight of those guys are phenomenal defensive basketball players. There's no weakness. There is no guy where when he comes out, you're like, oh, now we have to do it or they'll go around him. That guy doesn't exist. You Like someone who was a casual fan would want it to be Martinelli. It's not. That guy doubles like crazy. He harasses the crap out of ball handlers. These guys have no defensive weakness. It's insane how good they are. Well. Well, and it's one of the two, I think, biggest factors for for the why behind this team. And we've talked about him before. We've talked about Chris Lowry, defensive, you know, minded coach, um, was a part of of um, uh, Weber's staff, or right back at like Illinois and Kansas State, et cetera. But um, just a, a, a defensive. I don't. I don't know if I should say genius or not, but like. He he brought this defense, but what's so incredible is the buy-in and the trust yeah. that he has instilled within the team. And some of that is him, some of that is the players, some of that is whatever, you know, leeway or focus or or backing that Collins has given everybody involved in that. Like that everything that John just talked about, that is baked over the summer. When Chris Lowry shows up. And he and Collins start talking about the defensive character that they want for this team and the identity and the way they're going to do it. And then the players bring that to life. And then when Northwestern starts the season and gets smoked by Ohio State's bigs on the front line, because they were not super big on the front line. I mean, Nicholson has really come into his own throughout the year. But when they get smoked at the beginning of the season and they figure out this approach to double and harass the center like John's talking about while still, you know, running around like their hair is on fire to be able to cover off the outlet passes for the three pointers around the arc. The willingness to do that, to run as hard as you can when you're, you know, your legs want to fall off and your guts want to fall out. Like, like that's willpower and that's identity and that's buy-in from this team in their coaches and in each other. And that is, like that identity is like we said it 
over and over again last year. This team had had no identity. You don't know what they are. They're one thing one minute. They're another thing another minute. They can't. They have no foundation to build off of. And the 2022-2023 Northwestern men's basketball team is the polar opposite of that. It's. I was just looking. I mean, to your point, we played eight guys. Every guy had a steal. How incredible is that? Eight, ten, that is ten steals <laughs> yeah, spread that's across eight guys. They all had one. And it's funny, I was looking this up because I was specifically remembering one play that Martinelli made that made me tweet something out that is just the image of this team. Like, obviously, like you asked, like, what's the one shining moment like thus far? It's like, of course, it's Chase hitting the corner three against Purdue, obviously. But what is the composite image that represents this team? The composite image that represents this team is a pass going to an opposing player and that guy getting swarmed by two guys who are so up in his grill that the panic is just there and the guy turns and throws a pass to where he hopes a teammate is and there are three Northwestern guys there fighting for that ball. And it's like the second thing. I I remember in the Purdue game, the play that Barnheiser ended with the Barnheiser layup for us to go up four in that game. That play was so representative because Barnheiser, who was phenomenal in this game, flashed over for that double, the harass double, the swarm double. And then when Edie threw the pass out of the double, and Edie's 7 4, and he was flailing on that pass. When he released <laughs> the ball, Brooks just took off, and Brooks couldn't see where the ball was going. And that was the thing where I was like, he just knows this is a steal. He knows what he's done and what Nicholson's done on the double, and he knows Chase and Boo and Ty Berry are back there, and he just knows it's a steal. And that was the thing where there was that one play. There was one play where it was the exact same thing. It was a swarm and a desperate pass back into the middle. And as soon as the pass was gone, I was like, that's a steal. I've just seen this all year long. This, it's mm-hmm. just You just know what's coming. And these teams aren't able to handle it. And man, it's like, again, our offense was a mess for the vast majority of this game. But it's like, that's nothing new. It's just we have to savor that a team can be so good on defense that it can get this far and climb to second in the Big Ten on the strength of a few clutch offensive plays from the right guys at the right times, but otherwise just an unbelievable team defensive performance. There's one other massive change from twenty twenty from last season um, and really from the last couple seasons, and that is the evolution oh. of Boo Booey. Mm-hmm. And... I, like we talked in the previous couple podcasts just about his calm demeanor and I am, I am, I've been very, I've, I've, I am not someone who likes to, likes to watch the talking head shows. I, I'm, I just don't enjoy it. But at the end of these Northwestern games, the, the, the crew in the big 10 network, uh, home office studio cannot stop talking about the evolution of boo and just how, how much he has grown and how far he has, he has come. And like we, we talked last season, we talked a lot about in the last minute and a half of a game when this team had given up a lead or was, you know, down a couple baskets, like they'd start running around like a chicken with their head cut off and they, they couldn't even get off, get off a play in the end. And boo has transformed this year. And 
this I was mean, such a to the to the point he was just named uh, as a finalist for the point guard of the year, national point guard of the year award. And Top shit, five, like he sh- he should win it. I mean, like this this game against Rutgers is a perfect manifestation because he had a bad first half. He he did not shoot well. He could not score. Um, I think he had he had five turnovers overall in the game. I I, I know a number of those were in the first half, but um. Like he just a couple fouls, like he just didn't play well. And then as the second half was progressing, I think like not only did he hit some of those, like like he found his stroke and he hit some like incredible shots. He had like that that drive with the with the with the offhand layup um was was really good. The the two threes that he just buried from NBA range. I th- actually I think he hit three, but but there were two that were extra deep. But here's what here's here's what he was doing that I have never seen before. He was deferring to Brooks Barnheiser, who mm-hmm. was hot as shit. And not just in, like, let me try to find you, you know, on a pass or, or off a drive or something, but, like, get into the front court. I'm just going to give the ball to Brooks because they can't stop him, and it's keeping us going. And just, like, the the field general mentality that has come through this year and his ability to to truly be a leader on the court is incredible and i cannot help i cannot help but tie that to the hiring of his older half brother taylor battle as an assistant coach two years ago and then bringing in bryant mcintosh as well because if you want to develop a point guard those are the type of dudes that you want to help do it and my god has it paid off in spades for this Northwestern yeah. team this year. I mean, and that's, and, and that Thousand is percent, the thing yeah. that we all have to keep in mind when we talk about Collins, because Sam mentioned that extension that's coming up, right? And of course, there's a big part of us who's like, look, this is year 10. And, you know, we're looking at two postseason appearances in 10 years and, and factoring that in relative to extensions and being like, look, you know, let, you know, do we, you know, I think a lot of us are thinking we don't want a, a buyout that's suddenly going to be jacked through the roof. We'd like to see things happen two years in a row, et cetera. But one thing, in addition to the development, the the development of Boo, which just like Scuzz says, I mean, it's so funny too, the, the, like the, the, the studio shows you're talking about, to hear them massage, to continually find ways around... I can't believe he doesn't jack NBA threes for no reason anymore. Like, <laughs> that, which, but I mean, literally, that's that's what there we're are all moments, saying but, you at know. home. Is like you stop and realize, and you're like, oh my god, you're right. And like Scuzz was saying, like facilitating Barnheiser, facilitating Nicholson, realizing that entire stretch oh, of the game oh, yeah. where we're like the offense at this point, the only offense is Matt Nicholson alley oops. And being like, then I will do nothing but try to facilitate that happening. As opposed to, I'm going to try to jack NBA threes and shoot our way back into this game. He did that for three years. And it's like the idea that he's made all of that improvement. You have to credit Collins with some of that. I mean, you do. Yep. But in a larger sense, and this is what Scuzz was, some. Some. Well, some well, being and, an operative word. The, here's the other side of that coin, right? We have to acknowledge, and Scuzz just alluded to it, Collins has put together a slam-bang staff here. I mean, Lowry, Battle, McIntosh, James, Lawton is a good-ass staff. And they're showing out right now. And 
battle has clearly had an effect on Boo. We know what Lowry's done with the defense. I got there for the senior night game. I showed up, you know, close to an hour and a half ahead of the game. And there was a big part of the game where I was just watching McIntosh run the guards through their paces and being like, oh, man. I mean, first of all, you get hit with that nostalgia. But also just watching it and being like, this guy's (laughs) going to be an awesome coach. And you have this great staff. They're clearly having a cumulative effect right now. And Collins is the one who put that staff together. And that goes to him. And what he's been able to to get out of this. And that's a big reason. I mean, and, and we've been saying that since the start of the season. But Chris Collins has done an unbelievable job of assembling the staff that currently exists on this team. And what what's it, what's interesting is like the amount of fire that was put at his feet. I mean, Greg mm-hmm. was pretty yep. much like fix yeah. this or and he else. Did. And I was thinking I was thinking about that exact thing. Because I was watching, Derek Ragg was sitting right behind the Northwestern bench during the Rutgers game. And I was laughing too. He, he's not an impartial fan. I mean, not like he's, <laughs> he's, not, he's definitely watching and taking the highs and the lows of the game. Like he was dialed in. And I was very much watching that being like, hey, it's what you like to see. Like he is, he's definitely there. But it is. And I mean, it, and honestly, it's a victory lap for both of those guys for what they've been able to put together. And and again, honestly, when they sit down and hammer out that extension, that's going to be a celebrate. You know, I'm not surprised if there's going to be a bottle of Moet that's popped during the middle of that and those two guys toast because it's a heck of a job by both of them to help steer this team where it's going. I kind of wanted to mention, so again, it's the kind of thing, Adige yet again had a really bad shooting day. Um, He's had a ton of them. I know there are a lot of people on Twitter who are jumping out about that. I disagree with no particular point. Um, and it's just, he's so effing good on defense at all times, 100% of the time, always. It never slacks off. He's always the guy who guards the other team's best ball handler his doubles are unbelievable. He's got, they talked about, I mean, the guy's got like elastic guy, you know, elastic girl arms that is just, he's all limbs. He gets the steals. He's always where he needs to be. And since that's the engine that drives this entire team, like I, I'm always tempted to give him a lot of rope, but we should mention, and Scuzz alluded to this earlier, that one of the single best things about this game was A, Adige. Once again, lots of, you know, Brick City. But Boo was in foul trouble for a huge portion of this game and was on the bench. Yeah, he got his second pretty early. Barry and especially Barnheiser were just that. I guess we're going for it. It was like... That ni- that 19-4 to four run that was basically right. the two of them and it's, Nicholson. It, and it was those guys where it's the times we've been saying, like, since the beginning of the year, oh, but what about when Boo and Chase are gone? What is it going to be? I mean... By this point, those guys are like, well, it's my time to go get buckets then. And that's both what they did. They were aggressive and attack, attack, attack. And I mean, what more can you want? I mean, obviously, like, they totally understand. I mean, I feel like ever since we had that you're a big bear conversation relative to Barnheiser (laughs) sometime (laughs) mid-season where that guy's flipped a switch and he's gone off. I mean, once I feel like once a game now, 
they mention all the Barnheiser facts, like Indiana scoring champion, played for Lafayette, Jeff, I think in Indianapolis, played for his dad, averaged 33 points a game. And you feel like it's almost like he's just saying, what do you need from me? What percentage of the offense do you need from me now? I know it starts with Boo and Chase, but what difference do you need me to make up and I'm going to make up? And next season, we're going to be like, well, we're going to need 20 plus points a game out of you, buddy. And and he's going to be, and you know, and he's going to be like, fine, then I'm in. Let's do it. But, but, but as, 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 as dire as we felt coming into 2022-2023, we were also looking at, oh my God, what this what is this team going to look like mm-hmm. in 23-24? And, and you can see before your very eyes the development of Barnheiser and the development of Nicholson and how valuable the two of them are. Nicholson yeah. had four blocks last night. He was a monster. Yeah. And I, 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 like, I couldn't help like patting myself on the back a little bit because last pod I asked you guys I was like hey Nicholson only played 11 minutes against Penn State like is something wrong like we're gonna need him against Rutgers and my god like uh he was he was awesome in every possible way it was five or six from the field what's crazy too Um, because Titus he played 28 minutes Titus only played 11 and you can almost look at those two mm -hmm. yeah it's like a reversal of of Penn State I almost feel like they they almost even set that up um but yeah he he was such a good matchup for um, Omarui, uh, and and like both teams played extremely physical, um, and I think whether like Nicholson was more physical than I've seen him all season. Um, yeah. Now now maybe he, I, I guess with maybe the exception of the Purdue game against Edie, but um, I just I I like. The first, you know, handful of minutes of that game looked a little tough. Obviously, playing at Rutgers is a, it's a really tough place to play. Um, they're a strong team, although obviously missing one of their one of their best defenders, um, who got injured a few games ago. But like, and you know, still, four, their defense was insane. Last four, night. four minutes in, you weren't feeling very good because Chase didn't look good, Boo didn't look good, and then the Cats just took over, and it was like, oh my god, like that. Yeah, it just it was the culmination of the staff of of the development through the year the 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 identity that we talked about earlier just like everything coming coming together and then you know boo kind of highlighting it in the second half with you know getting getting the scoring going he ended up he ended up as the the second leading scorer only to only to barheiser i just like this team has has become so much fun to watch and not just because they're winning oh incredible and you talk about i mean rucker's had a guy out, but a guy they didn't have out was Cam Spencer, who was the stuff of Northwestern nightmares coming out of that first game and absolutely went off. It's not just that he only had nine points. It's not just that he only made one three. He only took three threes. Why? Because there was no way yeah. he was getting more than three threes off. And that was the thing. It was just like, <laughs> you will not shoot. And you know that was a point of emphasis. You know they targeted it in practice. You know yep. they were like, this guy will not beat us two games this season. And he was a non-factor in this game. Um, One bro- Brother Pat was in the house, apparently, uh, adorned neither in purple nor red. Um, I didn't see this, but that's what the yeah. announcer said. So Yeah. <laughs> I. Should we talk about the most exciting Big Ten tournament field my, ever? My God! Yeah, so if you'll insane. allow me, we 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 put out a tweet 
in the aftermath of this game that got some traction that was basically Northwestern fans going to a fortune teller at the beginning of the season and saying, what's the season going to look like? And the fortune teller saying, I'm looking into my crystal ball and it says that on the second day of the Big Ten tournament, Northwestern will not be playing basketball and Northwestern fans going, oh God, I knew it. I'll see you later. And the fortune teller being like, wait, wait, no, no, I'm not done yet. Because <laughs> thank, thank God, because to your point, of all the attorneys to have a double buy, you want it to be this one because this is going to be a knockdown drag out. Indeed, it will. Well, and I feel I feel like Northwestern needs the the, the mm-hmm. breather, right? Like, like yeah, they haven't, for sure. You know, it's been such a, a I, they had that COVID stretch earlier in the year where they they had you know compressed schedule, thirteen games over eight days or so, or thirteen eight games over thirteen days or something like that, and then um, they haven't had you know like an off moment in the schedule since, and now they get a solid five days. Five days, um, yeah. Yeah, which is pretty huge. Now that and they'll, so they'll play the winner of Illinois, Penn State. You know, like woof, two teams, the t- the two gut punch teams uh, from from the past week and a half. But um, you know, it's an opportunity for redemption. And then shit, like they're in the semifinal if they can win that first game. Yeah, which is wild. And like the three seed being Indiana, um, who would take on the winner of Maryland. And the opening round game of Minnesota and Nebraska. So, you know, it strikes me that Indiana's got a, a I, I was I was wondering about that. And I know it's the way the seeding falls, but it's like, wouldn't it make more sense for like the one and two seeds to potentially get the double buy or to get the team that's had to play on Wednesday, theoretically? I mean, I know that's not how the, the numbers work out, but like, I don't know. Yeah. I, does that I know does it's that one make of those. Sense? it's one of those could go either way kind of things, right? Because you're, I know you're, you're either start, you're either facing a team that's worn down or a team that's hot. Right. I mean, it's, it's two ways of looking at the same thing. Right. And I think, I don't know. I, I keep coming back to pick it. And then sincere Harris, it's what, it's going to be one of the two we're going to have to see again. I'm already pissed off about it. Like, Regardless of which of those two guys it is, I just God, I just having to see either of them yeah. one more time this season. Harris, I just don't just like the way he acts up during games and stuff like that. But Pickett, I mean, God, we went on I mean I went on a diatribe about him last game, and I'm just like having to see that in that game again. But right. Well, Pickett also right. one oh, of yeah. the Bob Cousy That's Award finalists. Two different ways to play the position. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the, <laughs> but I will say right to the Cam Spencer point that we made, give Chris Lowry some time to tune up and adjust a game plan, you know, and this coaching staff to adjust and figure out how to, how to approach Pickett differently in another game. Right. Um, and right. You know yeah, exactly, right, exactly. What you're so do. I mean, like they'll, Northwestern's going to have a plan of attack regardless of which of these two teams it is. But I mean, it's two teams that we know well. Um, particularly our rival, but yeah, but having that rest and you're right. I think that rest, we play an eight man rotation and it's a hard eight and having these guys all be able to, to rest and get a breather and get tuned up and everything I think is, is exactly what you want. So I like just by way of being amusing, like given that Northwestern has been in the 12th, 13th or 14th seed the last three years, I obviously like, 
feel completely different. Um, but now as the two seed, I'm like, maybe they should reseed this thing as we go. <laughs> but, uh, but whatever, I'm just as happy to get the, the 10, seven winners opposed to, to a potential matchup with, with Maryland or honestly avoiding, avoiding Michigan and Iowa, um, feels pretty good to me as well, but, um, it's just, yeah, that, it's that, just that's awesome. a wild, like, that's the wild thing. If we, if we lose to Rutgers, we're the nine seed taking on Michigan. The winner plays Purdue. No, we would, we would have played Rutgers as the eight seed. Oh, what, oh okay. okay. Um, yeah. Cause what Still, they were saying, the winner they were, they plays saying, Purdue. Yeah. If Rutgers, Rutgers was locked into that eight, nine game. Okay. Um, so if they won, it's they'd wild, be the eight. It, if they lost, it's they wild between nine. those two gotcha. teams. Okay. Though. I mean, Michigan, if Rutgers beats Michigan, Michigan will have 11 Big Ten wins, but they'll be 17 and 15. And I'm just like, how? I mean, how do you get Ooh. in? I mean, I, my guess is at the end of the day, I bet you on the strength of all those conference wins, they get a play-in game. Um, but, I mean, the the loser of that game is going to have a tough sell, for sure. Um, to have to sell either, either 17 and 15 or 18 and 14 it- to the tournament committee. Yeah, I think I think Rutgers probably needs to win to get in. I think Michigan's maybe got yeah. a shot and Park is a laundry. But. but man, I mean, you're right though. You look at all these. I mean, heck, you've got Nebraska just went into Iowa and beat Iowa on Senior Night, and they've got. I mean, and again, it's like you've got two teams, <laughs> Ohio State and Minnesota, absorbing, you know, what thirty two combined conference losses. But everyone else, Nebraska's your your twelfth team. In the Big Ten, and they—I mean, eleventh team in the Big Ten, eleven or twelfth, tied with Wisconsin, right? Um, and they've got a winning record overall, and they're nine and eleven in conference. So it's like, and they just went into Iowa and beat Iowa on Senior Night. I mean, there's—it seriously is carnage. And I mean, the <laughs> the best way to win is not to play honestly in this tournament and be like the by the time we're we're lacing it up, a lot of this damage is already going to be done because yeah, they're. It's it's good, but I mean, again, the flip side is the twenty twenty three Big Ten yeah, tournament. The best, the best way to win is, not, win to is not to play. Is an amazing, <laughs> and then, amazing, and then Purdue, motto. right? Put that like on a t shirt. Five conference losses, except when you break it down, they've basically lost to everyone else in the conference. That's good, effectively, and it's like your, um, and they got swept by Indiana. So, I mean, it's not like Purdue feels good about their path either i mean this thing is totally up in the air and you know why not us given that given that situation how could what's to say that at the very least this tournament doesn't shake out the exact same way that the regular season has and we claw our way into the championship game yeah i mean it all starts up on wednesday um the opening round games ohio state wisconsin minnesota nebraska um, you know, Thursday, you got the early games, the uh, Rutgers, Michigan, and then Ohio state, Wisconsin winner versus Iowa. Uh, then you got the break. The afternoon slate is Penn state, Illinois, and then Maryland versus Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, Friday, uh, 11 AM central Purdue versus, uh, the eight, nine winner, Michigan state versus the five, uh, 12, 13 winner, uh, us versus Penn state, Illinois at five 30. And then. Indiana waiting for uh, either Maryland or Minnesota or Nebraska after we're done. So, you know, great weekend of a uh, big 10 basketball. And then 
you know, Sunday, Selection Sunday, you know, we'll be, hopefully, you know, we win a couple games and we'll be in the locker room at the United Center waiting to see the see the placement. That'd You're right. That hot, would huh? be cool. The, uh, I mean, here's hoping. Otherwise, it's going to be in, in Welsh Ryan. I honestly, I, I would say this. If, well, I don't want to, God, there's no way to say this without jinxing it. I was like, it, you're right. That is the situation. The the situation, um, I, I would say it this way. Regardless, one thing that we know for sure is that there is a very small hard cap on the amount of students who are getting complimentary tickets to go to this game. Um, and given that, it would be awesome to have a live bracket announcement thing at Welsh Ryan for all the students who can go. Um, and if it's a situation where the team's still at the United Center, fine. And if it's a situation where the team's back home in Welsh Ryan, fine. But I just think that would be really cool. Just for one more way for all of the students to get involved, just because the way that it's sounding, um, the Big Ten tournament, I think it's something like only, you know, a very small, like relatively small group of students are going to be able to go, even though obviously that entire student body would truck itself down to United center for all of these games. Um, but given that it would be great to be able to, to flood Welsh Ryan with students one more time for, for one great announcement. Um, so we'll see how that all goes, but you're right there. There is regardless of what happens Friday, regardless of what happens Sunday, Saturday, Sunday is going to be a joyous day. And uh, just, it's hard not to just be giddy about this entire weekend coming up. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go Cats. Uh, real quick, um, Scuzz had to uh, had to jet with some family coming into town uh, late night for the little ones. Uh, so obviously he needed to take care of some business there. Um, hey, sometimes you got to jet and take care of business. Just ask Northwestern men's basketball. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Uh, real quick. Um there was lacrosse. There was softball this weekend. Uh, you know, lacrosse or last weekend, Vanderbilt and Youngstown State, uh, twenty-four to seven, twenty-four to three. The the interesting, like the Youngstown State game was Senior Day. It's like early in the season. You're having Senior Day. That that struck me as a little odd. Yeah, you're right. That is kind of strange. Um, the so the main thing that is hangover. Both of these games, and you can read it one of two different ways, is Izzy Skane sat both of these games out, um, I believe. And we do not have any specific information on this. Um, We believe that, and obviously we know this is someone who's coming off a big, long injury. We're not plugged in. I mean, to the extent that we've heard, we've heard that it's not, we don't think it's a serious situation. Um, I, you know, and again, without knowing a hundred percent, this has the look of two games. Northwestern thought it could just 
lean on the incredible strength of the overall roster and not need to land on Izzy Skein and, and give her some time to say, hey, you know, let's get you right here. Um, especially, you know, you've got this big Stony Brook coming down the pipe, et cetera. Um, so that, that to the extent that we know, that's what it looks like. And then the other part is that, again, kind of going at the exact same thing another way, <laughs> Northwestern without Izzy Skane just absolutely annihilated Vanderbilt and Youngstown State. So it was a chance to get a lot of other players going, get a lot of other players on the score sheet. I think we saw um, several players, I think, log their first ever goals for Northwestern in this one. Offensive explosions, everyone participated. Neither of these games was ever close. Um, and the the Cats continued to roll. Uh, sitting at rank number three in the country right now. Um, you know, like you said, games coming up against uh, Stony Brook. And then uh, the following week, Big Ten season starts off with a game against Michigan. Uh, we get North Carolina that's in a, our house that's Sunday a big the 19th. Rematch. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then, yeah, Johns Hopkins, Stanford, Penn State, Rutgers, Albany, Ohio State, Maryland, and then we're into the Big Ten tournament. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're circling that Stony Brook game. They're, they're good. Michigan, and then obviously that North Carolina game, you know, we shall see. We're keeping our eyes on the Izzy Skane situation right now, but the, uh, but, you know, I mean, again, assuming that 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 she's just getting herself right and getting good to go, I think, right, the main focus is just the incredible form this team's in. And then uh, softball uh, was at the Cardinal Classic in Louisville. Um, games against Northern Kentucky, Louisville, and Toledo. Uh, Friday Friday's game against Toledo was canceled uh, due to that, the snowstorm and the weather. Um, but then uh, Saturday uh, wins against Northern Kentucky and Louisville, 5 uh, nothing and 4-1. They lost to Toledo on Sunday and then came right back to uh, to put a thumping on Louisville, eleven to one. Yeah, I mean the the Toledo game is is uh, uh, was a hiccup, I guess. But you know, as they say on Saturday Night Live, hundred floors of frights, they're not all going to be winners. I mean, this team's playing. <laughs> this team plays a ton of games, right? I mean, they went three and one on the weekend, and three of those games were by a combined score of twenty to two. Um, there, the Toledo just got a little bit uh, away from him. I think, um, Sydney, I think they got to Sydney a little bit early. And then I want to say it was I Lauren Boyd. Say it was Lauren, it Lauren was Boyd, after yeah. that. Um, and late in that game, the cats put a ton of runners on. I think they had the bases loaded and they just couldn't cash it in. Um, and again, that's something that's popped up a couple of times this season, but I, again, it's forced through the trees. And this weekend is incredibly representative of that, of, the overall pitching has just been phenomenal for this group. And I think, I mean, looking at Louisville where I want to say I'm, was it Henry or Boyd? It was Boyd who pitched that game and you had Henry pitched the first game of, of the, of the day, complete game shutout pitched an absolute gem. Then they handed over to Boyd. Boyd pitches an absolute gem. I think gives up one run through like six. And then we bring in Danielle Williams as the hammer <laughs> and just flatten them at the end. And it's like, that's the battle station that this pitching staff is rounding into right now. It's really flipping good. And I think you've got to say, you look at some of these performances and you look at 
there tend to be some times where cats are putting runners on and just not bringing them in. And that kind of stuff is, is going to, I think, continue to improve. I remember like Ayana Lindsay was someone who there's a young player who had a really clutch RBI this weekend. And you're going to see more of those moments for this team as they go forward. And again, I keep coming back to the focus right now should be on how amazingly deep this pitching staff is and how great that is for this team going forward. And uh, we're going to need it um, a week off this week and then heading down to back to Oklahoma City, uh, you know, home of the World Series uh, to take on Auburn, Oklahoma, Weber State, uh, and then Auburn and Weber State again. So a uh, weekend tournament, uh, chance to see Oklahoma again. And here's another way to look at it too, right, is um, they have, like you said, right, they have some time off, then they have that big tournament. And right after that is going to be your first chance to finally go see this team in person at the J. Um, That's right. March, March 21st is, is creeping right up. And then right after that, we dive right into conference play. So, I mean, again, I think count us among the group who are like, get this team back home. Like the chance to finally be able to go back and see this team in person um, is just going to be so fantastic. So, yeah. And that, that day with the Sooners, you got to circle that. I mean, that's going to be here before you know it. Yeah. Um, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, that's right. Nice St. Patrick's Day. Hey, maybe a nice big St. Saint- Patrick's Day. I just, look. let's put it this way. I feel like there's no shortage of Irish blood running through this team. If you look at the, the hair colors <laughs> that are represented, I feel like there's no shortage that could, that could cash in and take advantage of that. All right. Anything else uh, to cover tonight? I think we hit everything that's well. No, no. Uh, the combine. Yeah. Oh, we talked about uh, Adabare's uh, performance last week, but um, you know Cam Mitchell and Evan Hull and Peter Skaronsky all also had their uh, times to shine at, yep. at the combine, and I know Skaronsky definitely showed out. I mean, for Man Bear Pete, it was just Man Bear Pete doing what was expected. He was just a monster and looked great in the drills. And I think that's what, what everyone was expecting. I think in the case of Mitchell, he put a, a bunch of stuff on the table and didn't take anything off the table. He ran fine. I think he ran in the mid four fours, looked very good in the drills, just looked really solid. Um, again, I think, I think with Cam the best of his tape is what's going to ultimately carry him. I just think you can look at cam and see his ability to cover. And he just has several games where, I mean, it's just when, when you're get when you got the best out of him, he was just, he could cover anybody and he could shut guys down. And I think there's plenty of tape there and the tape here did nothing. I mean, the, his performance in the combine did nothing to, to take away from any of that. And if anything only helped him, um, Hall was the one who, I thought was really interesting in that uh, he just looked absolutely jacked at the combine. I think a lot of people were expecting him to run a fast time. And we're like, look, like we expecting he's fast. We expect speed out of him. We expect everything. And he did. He put in like mid four fours and looked fast doing it. But he looked huge. His list was something. It was 2-0 something. But he came in as like 5'10 something, 2'0 something, and looked absolutely jacked. And 
I think there are a lot of people who maybe looked at some of his numbers, looked at his average per carry, looked at all his receptions, even maybe looked at some of the senior bowl tape and were like, this guy is really useful as a receiver, as a third down back, someone who can catch screens, someone who can be a real factor in the passing game. And then probably did a double take at the combine and were like, this guy's big. Um, and be like, big guys who can move that fast with hands like that are very valuable and not just as situational backs. So I think he he continued to help himself as well, just showing that he can be that big and move that fast. I I just think it's hilarious that people are, you know, docking uh, Skaronsky for having short arms. I mean, again, I'm like... You know what else has a short arms? A Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know what? Don't get close to one. It'll eat your head off. Same general principle of yeah. like the uh, he's I mean, and that's the thing. Like at the end of the day, you still have to go buy him. And this is what everyone keeps coming back to all the tape. It's like, yeah, short of Iowa fans posting some grainy footage of a guy getting a straight arm on him. It's just video of him mauling people. So, right. And, and we've mentioned it multiple times, but. Rashawn Slater really helps him and it's not an accident. It's like it's pedigree and it's the view of a similar kind of guy coming out of the same program through the same, you know, training and everything and how successful he's been. Those kind of things do matter. And when a team is trying to make a decision between Pete Skaronsky and one other guy and they're really close on the draft board, things like that matter. Um, so regardless, yeah, I think we, we come, we continue to expect Northwestern. It has a lead pipe lock to get one guy in the first, has a good chance to get two guys in the first and then watch out for the other guys. I think, I think everyone's improving their position and moving up draft boards right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, God, it's crazy. The draft is just a little more than a month away. It is crazy. And let's be honest. I think there have been a lot of what lonely nights of the soul, dark winters of the past five years that have maybe a little guilty of making the dead of winter drag on for us over the past couple of years. Um, <laughs> not this year, this no. year. And, 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 and thanks to women's basketball for helping us through some dark times for sure. But this season, Northwestern basketball has been to all of our shock, absolute appointment, white knuckle, edge of your seat viewing for the entire year. And you're right. Suddenly the season's going to be over, you know, in a couple of weeks, what, you know, post tourney. And all of a sudden we're going to be like, right. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's already almost draft time. Like it, it's, it's incredible. We finally have been gifted with this unbelievable winter basketball performance. We've been waiting for, for so long. Yeah. Um. Any other final thoughts before we go? God, just one more time. I just, it occurred to me as we were talking that, you know, that Northwestern lost three games in a row, including on senior night, and then went across the country, went out to the rack, got down huge early. And then we're like, nope, the character of this team is that we're just tough as nails. And blew, caught right back up to them, blew right past them, totally dominated them on the defensive end for the rest of the game and showed the exact character of this team and why they're the number two team in the big 10. So all eyes will be tuned to uh, the United center uh, Friday afternoon uh, evening 
Big Ten Network, uh, 5.30 start uh, Central Time. So uh, appointment viewing. Um, I'm definitely excited for that. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, going on from there. And yeah, def- tournament time. Don't, we Thank don't always, we're not always anticipating this with Thank like bated you. breath, but. Thank you to this team. Just thanks to these guys for this this group of guys and this group of coaches for putting this unbelievable season together and just honestly letting Northwestern fans dream again. Like, God, it feels good to be back in that kind of headspace. Um, so thanks, guys, for letting us do it. And yeah, can't wait for this weekend. Real quick, and you know, just to, to leave you with this thought. Is this on par with... 95 Rose Bowl? I, so to me, I'm trying to put it into perspective. I've been thinking about it a lot. And to me, I, I put it more on par with the West championship teams. But again, I, I come back to 2020 specifically because again, second in the conference, right? And second in the conference is a huge deal. And second in the conference is right where we are right now. And again, it's being, the second best team in the Big Ten with a defense no one in any way wants any part of whatsoever is what we all loved about 2020, and it's what we all get to love about this basketball team. So, like, that's the that's the comparison that I draw. Now, to your point, Sam, they decide to rip off four or five more wins. Well, then that's a discussion that we can have, <laughs> and, I, and I'm happy to have it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, well, uh, that'll just about wrap it up for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scouse, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.